Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. From Autosport.com and Autosport Magazine, I'm Martin Lee, and this is the Autosport Podcast. And this is the Le Mans Preview Podcast. Yes, that time of the year again, uh, when we ship Gary off to the finest hotel that the budgets can afford. Joined by our man Gary Watkins, and also James Newbold as well on the podcast today. Uh, Gary, you are joining us from your uh, luxurious luxurious accommodation. And it's it's temporarily, it's temporary at the moment. Uh, I was here for the test day. Um, and I'm actually shipping out to uh, different accommodation when I, I, I rejoin, I join up with uh, some other people later on today. So um, it's always the, the craziest, craziest time for you. Uh, forget what sleep is now uh, for the next week. And uh, I'm joined as well by James Newbold, who has, you know, you're a new dad and you've got one on the way. So you don't know what sleep is anyway. Uh, so what's uh, what kind of what's your build up to Le Mans weekend? What will you be doing for uh, for us? Are you going to do full coverage as before? Yep, we'll be running a live blog on the on the website uh covering all the action as that happens so make sure you follow with, along with that and invariably as the, as the night hours drag on there'll be uh, curios from Le Mans in years gone by so um, yeah follow us along on that and, and help us to feel like we're not the only people uh, awake on the planet please our audience absolutely love our Le Mans coverage and, and Gary you've been doing it all oh, about a well, thousand I, years now isn't it uh, but well, I'm <laughs> going to actually say that it's my 32nd Le Mans I might have to go back and double check that but I'm pretty sure it is uh, and it's also a very exciting one for me, not because it's the 32nd, but because it's sort of Le Mans back to normal. Uh, we have a crowd, a proper crowd. Last year, of course, we had a limited crowd. The year before, sort of earlier on in the COVID pandemic, we had no crowd. 
So this year we've got a a, a proper, proper crowd. I'm already running into people uh, around and about a little bit in town, a little bit sort of close to the paddock. People I know, you know, sort of vague acquaintances, uh, fans I've met in the past and nice. who accosted me and I remembered and they remember me. Uh, so yeah, the vibe, the vibe <laughs> is back. It's the 90th uh, edition. Uh, so that's quite significant. And we're back in mid-June, which is important because obviously during COVID, we had one race pushed back to September. What, the following year, it was in August. So we're back to proper Le Mans time. We're back to a proper crowd. We're going to have that amazing build up to the race on on Saturday, which is just one of the most Anyone who hasn't experienced that needs to come to Le Mans. And I've talked to Formula One drivers who've been a bit blasé about Le Mans before they come. Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm a Formula One big shot. They get here and that build up is, I don't think, I mean, I haven't been to the Indy 500. Maybe I, I will be stand corrected one day when I finally make that pil- pilgrimage. But the, that whole build up through the, through, through the morning of the race to four o'clock and we're back to four o'clock, the sort of traditional Le Mans start time this year. It's just, right. that's, okay. that's just, it's, it's stomach tightening. So I've been uh, four times. I'll, I'll be missing the, the event this year in, in person again, unfortunately. But I've, I've covered it twice for Autosport, twice before that for, for other outlets when I was freelancing. So I've done the, the stint curled up on the floor of the media centre in, in a corner under a coat. And I've done plenty of the sitting on a on a stool by the window seat, which is great for, for getting the atmosphere as the cars shoot by. Um, but after a good few hours of having your neck craned up to look at the timing screens over 24 hours, you, you do start to feel the effect. So, um, yeah, I have been... Uh, a few times before looking forward enormously to to getting back there next year when uh, as we'll go on to talk about Le Mans is going to really take off I think um, next year with with all the manufacturers that are um, joining the party as LMDH uh, comes into force and also we've got um, Peugeot who have have a car that's built um, but it's not racing at Le Mans this year it'll be making its debut um, at Monza in the next round of the World Endurance Championship in July. Um, Ferrari, of course, will be along as well for, for its first crack at an outright win in, in, in many a decade. So next year, I'm very much hoping that I'll be, I'll be there in person to sample it again. Uh, we're going to get on to just a second uh, the big storylines that we need to look out for that we think we need to watch out for uh, this weekend. Um, Toyota not having things their own way. But just very briefly, Gary, um, we're recording this at nine o'clock Tuesday morning, um, which is 10 o'clock your time. And I think for our listeners that hear it pretty much straight away on the podcast feed, uh, they'll be building up to the event as well. But what's your week long build up so you know you'll be at your hotel room pretty soon there's loads of stuff happening today with there's, there's a whole program of activities there's official photos and things uh, to take so uh, what's your build up well, gary to the today event? is sort of quite low key there are, are a few press calls and that kind of thing but it's more more a sort of a sort of um just to sort of mosey around the paddock talk to a few people you know really it kicks off on wednesday when we have practice starts but also we have the first qualifying session an hour-long qualifying session at seven o'clock from which the top six cars in each class then go into this new thing uh, that, that, that has come up recently called hyperpole so it's a sort of a, a bit of a sort of you know uh, 
a sort of a shootout, if you like, for only the top six cars. And of course, in the top division, the hypercar class, there are actually only five cars, so everyone makes it through. Every form of motorsport is different. You've got Formula One, which is, you know, your name's not down, you're not coming in. Uh, you've got uh, service parks in rally, which is like, yeah, come along and have a chat and you can do any, you know, come and sit in the car. Uh, what's the what's the atmosphere around Le Mans and, and the way that people go racing there and, and the kind of culture and the atmosphere that's yeah, built up over um, those 90 events? It's Yeah, it's more relaxed than Formula One. Of course it is. I mean, but then it's less relaxed than a regular WEC race because 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 of the nature of the event, because of the profile of the event, which means there are a lot of fans here, a lot of people in the paddock, some who should be in the paddock, some who shouldn't perhaps. So so the access isn't quite what it might be <laughs> at a regular WEC race when there's fewer people. Um, so, you know, some you can't just wander into anyone's pit. Uh, whereas probably at a WEC race, I can I can wander into just about everyone's pit, probably apart from Toyota. To be fair, uh, so yeah, it's not it's not quite as relaxed, but you know that's that's the nature of the beast. All right, Gary, key talking points then for this weekend. Uh, what do our audience need to be looking out for, particularly, I guess, uh, in the hypercar? One is that um, the opposition is pro- is is more proven. Last year, we got to Le Mans. And we didn't really know much about the Glickenhaus, about the team, the car. You know, it had done two races. It, we were thinking, mm, this isn't bad. It got to Le Mans and, it, and the two cars finished in fourth and fifth positions. They ran pretty faultlessly through the race. You know, a few mm. tactical glitches. One of the, the fifth place car was sort of ailing at the end. But it, it was an absolutely um, amazing and um, unexpected performance for me and they you know they had a shot at, at at third at third place to beat the alpine behind the two toyotas as well um so that's one thing that's changed is that suddenly we're thinking yes two of the five cars on the grid are serious contenders i don't think we fought that last year the other thing is that the playing field has changed the rules have changed essentially well the ACO and the FIA who write the rules will say that's not 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 the case. The playing field has changed, the, and basically that's okay. resulted in uh, the balance. Of, that's down to the balance of performance. The way the balance of performance is calculated has shifted slightly, and there's there's been a key change there, and that's about. Um, the speed at which the Toyota, a hybrid car, remember, and a front axle hybrid car, which therefore makes it four-wheel drive, at the speed at which it can deploy that four-wheel drive, which is a significant performance tool, has been raised. And it's been raised because those speeds have been moved from the technical regulations to the balance of performance, which means they can change from race to race. They can change from car to car. The Peugeot also is four-wheel drive. Uh, the Ferrari next year will be will be uh, four-wheel, four-wheel drive. So, so they can change from car to car. Uh, but at the moment, effectively, the minimum speed mm. has gone up yeah. from 120 kilometres per hour in the dry and 150 kilometres an hour in the wet last year to 190 kilometres an hour in all conditions this year. So that's that's significant. The Toyotas are not deploying that front drive, the traction that can gain them so much. They're basically deploying it in the, in the straight line. 
and that and that is a significant change. But also, the Toyotas have less power to the tune of uh, nine kilowatts. That which I think, if you do the maths, is twelve or thirteen horsepower, and they're also four kilograms uh, heavier. That doesn't sound like a lot, but I was. Um, I was assured by the team that that around the eight and a half kilometres of Le Mans, that is a, over a tenth of a second. That sounds amazing that four kilos can have that effect, yeah. but that's what what I've been assured uh, of. So, yeah, so the rules, the playing field is different to last year. And we've already seen that the uh, Toyota is a bit slower than last year on Sunday's test day. And if you do the ideal laps for the quickest sectors, uh, from last year compared with the quickest sectors this year, it, it's a, it's over a second slower. Now, how that will pan out as the track evolves, how wow. you know, as it rubbers in, as the conditions change, we don't know because you know the Toyotas went much quicker than even they expected last year in qualifying. But uh, yeah, so so basically, it's it's a different playing field to last year. We've also got the unusual situation that um, Toyota isn't leading the championship coming into this weekend because each of the Toyotas has had a has had a DNF. Um, Lopez obviously had the rather dramatic accident at, at Sebring and then the uh, the number eight car had uh, a hybrid problem in the most recent round of the WEC at Spa, which um, Pascal Vassalon, the, um, the, the team director, has kind of written it off as a as a one-off problem a freak problem with the hybrid um system that's been utilized by the previous generations of toyota since 2016 so um he's fairly confident that 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 won't rear its head again but equally there must you know be an element of doubt in the back of um toyota's uh minds that 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 something could go wrong um of course, in the past, Toyota has gone to extreme lengths to um, even, you know, practicing running cars on three wheels to to make sure that they can get back to the pits, um, to make sure that these sort of things don't trip them over. But this is an endurance race after all. And, and Vassalon uh, said at the weekend, it's not the problems you know about that uh, concern us it's the problems we don't know about that concern us because as he said problems that crop crop up that we experience in races qualifying testing practice or whatever we go away and solve but other problems will can crop up and of course you don't know what they're going to be and it's interesting that last year of course the two toyotas they finished one two but they had to overcome uh a fuel pressure problem that basically was just caused by a sort of a freak sequence uh, of events. Well, you say freak, but it was it was actually similar similar to uh, a problem that had occurred at the previous round at Monza, similar but slightly different. So basically, grease from the refueling nozzle, you know that great big tube that they stuff in the car when the fuel goes in in the pits, was going into the <laughs> tank and mixing with polyurethane uh, particles from the inner surfaces of the fuel bladder. And the reason those particles were in there was because the uh, tank wasn't bree- wasn't, um, didn't have sufficient venting. So as the fuel load uh, lessened, it basically there was a partial vacuum. The, the bladder collapsed and the sides of the bladder were rubbing together. So you had the combination of these little particles 
and the grease and the grease would normally go through the fuel filter without problem now it was mixed with polyurethane particles it didn't go through and Toyota had to come up with a series of ingenious fixes to get to the finish and 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 for me that was the story of uh Le Mans last year but that just shows you that things can bite you at, at Le Mans and they've they got bit last year but they somehow uh, managed to uh um yeah just just keep going and yeah it was a, it was an amazing story we haven't talked too much so far about alpine and and that's i suppose understandable because it's it's not a hypercar it's a grand i'm going to correct you there MP1 it is a hypercar car. it's racing in the hypercar class but there this is a, a confusion and something i don't particularly like there is a class called hypercar in which le mans hypercars compete and which from next year also LMDH prototypes, the new breed of uh, cars that are coming coming in, will also compete. Their grandfathered LMP1 car competes in the hypercar class, but it's not a Le Mans hypercar. That's a bit of a uh, hobby horse of mine. The LMDH cars that will be racing uh, in, in WEC next year are also eligible to race in IMSA, but it will be under a different class name of GTP, just to, exactly. just to add to that confusion. Crazy. The Alpine has... Uh, has won a race this year. It won the Sebring season opener. Um, and that's run by the Signatech team, which has had enormous success at Le Mans in the past in the LMP2 class. Um, it's won that um, three times in, 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 in the past few seasons. So um, added to the Glickenhaus with having, uh, which is primarily run by um, Podium, uh, technologies, but it also has um, crew from Jost Racing in there, who were obviously uh, an enormously successful Porsche privateer in the 80s, and then ran the Audi factory program to to a vast number of wins. You've got significant Le Mans expertise in the other um, class rivals to to Toyota as well. So, um, as Gary has written the piece in the the Le Mans supplement. Um, this week, it's, it's far from a foregone conclusion, really, that, that Toyota will get the fifth um, win in a row, which would put it um, level with those great streaks from, from Audi. And It's actually significant that uh, should Toyota win, they will equal uh, Yerst Audi's record of five wins in a row. If you look back to previous uh, winning streaks, Audi at the start of the 2000s, Porsche uh, in the 1980s during the Group C era, they were different teams. Uh, so Toyota, as to- what we now call Toyota Gazoo Racing, um, has won uh, four in a row, as Audi did. Audi, of course, won five in a row between 2010 and 2014. One of those was uh, under the uh, Audi Sport North America banner, which they used to do because there were rules about how many cars a team could could, could enter. But it was the same team in the, under the same umbrella. Absolutely, it was uh, Joost Audi. So it's significant that Toyota are, are bidding <laughs> to equal one of the great Le Mans records this year. I think it's really interesting as well for our audience who might just have presumed it's kind of a foregone conclusion because they haven't been following the success of Glickenhaus and and who might think, well, you know, let's look further back at uh, LMP2 and and, and and increased entries. There are some new entries to talk about, uh, but actually I think we'd be, be surprised to hear that uh, it's definitely worth watching uh, all down the grid this year. But let's talk a little bit um, about Gary. I know in your, your, your notes you mentioned you want to dwell a little bit on Peugeot and its absence. Um, and and then how next year is looking. James, you've mentioned it already, but let's quickly get into that before we finish off talking about this year. Um, there is so much 
to come, what are the highlights that you want to tell the audience Why? about? Because I'm old enough, uh, but also young enough, uh, to have seen both Peugeot's previous uh, attempts. So I was just a young kid on the block on the sports car pounds back in, in the early 90s when they came with the 905 three and a half litre car. Then at the end of the noughties in 2007, they came in with the 908 um, LMP1 turbo diesel. There were two generations of that car. They only won uh, Le Mans once uh, in 2009. But if you look at the record, their record against Audi, uh, they basically blitzed Audi, except no one remembers that because they didn't do it at the race, the most important uh, race of the year. So Peugeot coming back is a... You know, it's one of the grandees as far as I'm concerned. The fact that they're doing it with this r- radical looking car without a rear wing, I just think is brilliant. Um, racing cars need to look different. Uh, we, you know, inevitably in the modern world when uh, when cars are designed in wind tunnels on on, on computer, they, um, they all end up looking fair, fairly similar. Now, because of the sort of the new rules and the the limitations on um on aero performance it, it basically allows people to put styling cues into their cars and 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 Peugeot I think has just done a brilliant job with that car just it's so distinctive and I, I just congratulate them uh for coming with a car not that it's not that it's got hasn't got a rear wing uh I mean the, obviously that's the distinguishing feature but just for coming up with such a a dramatic looking car i think it's brilliant um so peugeot arrives at monza people have talked about them uh, delaying their debut from uh, le mans they were never they were never due to come to le mans they were working like hell to try and be here for this is a car that uh, started testing in january if you go back to when they announced the program in uh, november 2009 they always said they'd be racing at the beginning of what was then going to be the 2022-23 season. This, if you remember, the world has changed slightly uh, since those times. We were The WEC was running to this sort of winter series format where it started at the back end of the summer, early autumn, and climaxed with Le Mans. So really, the scheduled start date for the Peugeot was September this year. They're coming in July. They're a little bit early. Uh, I think it was always a long shot that that they would be at Le Mans, but uh, they will be at Monza, and I'm super excited about it. And I think it's brilliant that next year we'll have Peugeot and Toyota, two of the sort of great marks of the modern era, up against Porsche and and Ferrari, who are just two of the all-time great sports car marks. Unfortunately, we won't have Audi. We thought we were going to have Audi with uh, another LMDH that... uh, was based off the same platform and with the same engine as the Porsche. Uh, officially, that's been put on pause, but we all know it's actually been axed. That's a shame, but uh, we're going to have BMW in LMDH mm. in America in the IMSA series next year. I fully expect that we will get them in the WEC at some point. So there's just so much, so much good news uh, at the moment about about top-level sports car racing, the premier class. There's a real buzz about yeah. it at the moment. And I think for anyone who, who loves sports car racing, as Gary says, it's a really exciting time because 
we fully anticipate that there's lots of teams and drivers that are in LMP2 at the moment and, and GTE Pro um, who naturally won't get a, a big share of the limelight, who, who will have that opportunity um, next year. And in, in some ways, as we'll sort of go on to talk about, it is a bit of a an end of an era for, for GTE Pro this weekend because, um, as Gary mentioned, we'll have Porsche and, and Ferrari in the top class next year. And that class already has a, a bit of a shelf life because GT3 cars are coming um, for, for 2024. It's 99% sure that uh, the traditional ACO press conference held on the Friday of Le Mans week will get confirmation that there will be no uh, GTE Pro next year. There have been some comments from uh, PFE on the uh, ACO boss saying, oh yeah, we could have it if we get the interest, two manufacturers, four cars, that kind of thing. The fact is that there was a uh, FIA World Motorsport Council uh, vote last year, which uh, basically said there would be no GTE Pro in um, in 2023. And the ACO has made it very clear that from uh, uh 2024 when the new gt3 based uh, rules come in that gt racing is an amateur class it's a pro-am class so basically the divide is prototypes hypercar is about your um your factory manufacturer teams gt racing is about the amateur you know it's going back to the uh, sort of the old style of le mans go back even if you go back more, more recently when we had gt1 at le mans uh, and we had Aston Martin racing with the DBR9 and against Corvette racing with the C6, the C7. They were the, That was professional GT racing. Then GT2 at the time, which evolved into GTE. That was where you had your uh, amateur teams and normally in most lineups, at least one amateur driver. So it's about privateers and pro-am lineups. Let's just finish off with talking about some of the teams and some of the drivers that our audience might want to watch out for this weekend. Uh, might, people might know Sebastian Ogier competing this weekend, and so anyone that has got such a heritage in a, in other forms of motorsport is always going to be on people's radar a little bit. But, uh, but Gary, who are some of the names that you've mentioned that all of that ceremony uh, on Saturday afternoon? You know, who are the cameras going to be picking out, and who are the audience going to be thinking? Hang on a minute, I didn't know they were. Racing this weekend. Ogier, he's the latest in a long line of uh, rally drivers to uh, come and take the challenge uh, of Le Mans, particularly French rally drivers. Don't forget that Sebastian Loeb did uh, race uh, with Pescarolo here back in back in the 2000s. You know, think of um, Jean Ragnotti, Bernard Darniche. It, the list is is endless. Uh, look at Vic Elford, who was sort of a, a rally racer, a bit like Walter Roll. So maybe they 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 always had a foot in both camp. But there is a long line uh, of of rally stars, particularly French rally stars, who um, who who have come here to take the challenge. And 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 I guess for the French, you know, it's. Le Mans is so embedded in the psyche of motorsport that they all want to all, all want to come here. Obviously, lots of XF1 drivers here, uh, but I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick a team uh, that I think a lot of people will be interested in, and that's Prema. You know, Prema are one of the uh, powerhouses of single-seaters and have been for 30 years. When I was just a young kid covering uh, Formula 3 uh, for Autosport back in the mid-90s, you know, I went to some of the big uh, races 
in Europe as well as covering the British Championship. And I'm going to say that in 1995, Prema won the uh, Monaco F3 support race that back in the day was a very uh, important, uh, prestigious prestigious race. You know, they've gone on to success in um, Formula 2, GP2 before that, everything really. You know, they've been instrumental in the careers of a lot of... Um, a lot of drivers who've gone on to Formula One um, and now they're in sports cars for the first time racing in uh, LMP2. They could, could very nearly have won um, on debut at Sebring. They've got a great lineup with Robert Kubica, um, uh, Louis Delatraz and Lorenzo Colombo, who's their silver driver, uh, but also a winner in uh, FIA Formula 3. Uh, so absolutely top lineup top team you know could they spring a surprise and do what WRT did last year and what and win LMP2 on debut I, th- I think it's I think it's possible I don't I don't think we can rule it out it's a very strong class but uh, yeah they've got the drivers to do it you mentioned Monaco 95 Gary I think that's probably the only time we'll get a reference to Gian Antonio Pacchioni well unless we talk the, about Monaco 93 as well because he is the most most <laughs> obscure driver to win the Monaco F3 race two years um, to, to to win it twice, but yet go on to do pretty much nothing afterwards. You, you mentioned LMP2, and, and there's a, a few people that are interesting to me. Um, chiefly among them, I suppose, would be Josh Pearson, because he's set to break the the record as as the youngest um, ever Le Mans starter, aged just 16, which is frightening really um he's racing in the united autosports oracle with oliver jarvis and, and alex lynn um jarvis is the um 2017 lmp2 class winner and lynn of course won gt pro with aston martin in 2020 um pearson won on his wet debut at sebring so um even though he's you know frightfully young um he's clearly got something about him and, and he's in a good I team mean, he- that's Pearson has impressed me. He is 16. I met him last year at Le Mans when he was 15. I didn't believe I was speaking to a 15-year-old, you know, so eloquent, uh, polite, thoughtful. I thought back to when I was 15 and I think all I'd have been able to say was... <laughs> that was probably about all, but he is absolutely <laughs> eloquent and he's clearly a good driver. Um, and yeah, Sebring, a difficult race, you know, with multiple red flags, rain. Just at Sebring, it makes it a difficult race just because of the nature of, of the yeah. circuit, you know, an old school circuit with most of the, uh, with bumps, a concrete service, surface for much of its, uh, for much of the lap. You know, I, I, I was impressed uh, by what he did. And yeah, he's going to make a little bit of history. Um, well, he should make a little bit of history. Uh on on mm. Saturday when he takes part in, in the race and and the, and people talk about records uh, are there to be broken but I think you know that one is um, will be very hard to to break because he was only sixteen in February so so for that one to be broken someone the timing of their birthday would they'd have to be sort of slightly later in the year but not too late in the <laughs> year to uh, to ever break that record uh, unless unless one day the rules are changed to allow fifteen year olds or fourteen year olds to uh, to partake in international motorsport. 
James, any other teams or drivers that you want to raise a flag on just quickly for our, our audience to keep an eye out this weekend or, or you think we've covered everybody off? I suppose off? that there might be people who enjoy watching movies who might recognise a certain M Fassbender in the GTE Am <laughs> class this weekend and think, I wonder if it's the same guy. Um, it absolutely is. Michael Fassbender will be making his Le Mans debut um, following in the, the footsteps of um, Patrick Dempsey a few years ago who, who raced with um, his... With the, with the Proton team. Um, it's, it's now called Proton Dempsey Racing uh, in deference to their, their partnership. Um, he's one of several, you know, I suppose, well-known names um, that'll be competing in that class, which I always like to keep an eye out for because it's it's got 23 cars in it. Um, so it's second only to LMP2 in terms of, you know, car count in the field. And it's always difficult to predict a winner given that every car has to have a bronze in it. He was also Mr. Rochester in, a, in an adaption of Jane Eyre. Oh, well, there you go. So that's, 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 so you, you've done the, you've yeah. done the, uh, the arty thing on me there. Well, there we go. We've gone into a very interesting place on the podcast. That's probably a good place to uh, to leave. It's so much to watch for this weekend. I really appreciate uh, both of your time um, to, uh, to to just to tell us what to look for this weekend because it can be a bit. You know, if you're not if you haven't followed uh, WEC so far this year and you are just coming in for one event, uh, as Gary, you, you and I have talked about on previous podcasts, the rule set, the regulations. We don't make it easy for fans to come in and just start watching and get into it. Uh, there, it we uh, we overcomplicate things, but thank you very much. You've done a, a fantastic job there in uh, in setting the stage for, for our audience. Uh, we look forward to coverage this weekend and, of course, next week, reading all about it online uh, on autosport.com, motorsport.com, and, of course, Autosport magazine, which will be, oh, about 500 pages long, um, I imagine, what with uh, some Formula One in there as well. Uh, James, remind our audience uh, how they can follow Le Mans this weekend via our various channels. Just hop onto autosport.com and you'll see a big red blob that says live and we'll be running live throughout the 24 hours with um, input from Gary and, and a ro- roving um, cast of of, uh, of commentators that will be guiding you through, um, hopefully, everything that's happening and more. Well, there we go. That's your advice, dear listener. Click on the big red blob. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next week, or Gary will see you next week uh, for the big review show. And until then, goodbye. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. I love the playoffs. Anything can happen. But the best part? It's like bonus football. And bonus football means betting bonuses with Gambit DC. For a limited time, you can get boosted deposits by 57% up to $1,000 on the Gambit DC app and up to a 57% multi-sport parlay boost at Gambit DC retail locations. It's the most exciting time to be a fan. So make your play and get the home field advantage with Gambit DC. Limited time offer, terms and conditions apply. Please buy responsibly. Sports Social Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, 
and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.